1: On
2: 937 The ticket and the ticketfm.com. What up? This is old school, five o'clock hour. Watching this, uh, can't even call it rush hour traffic, it's like the creep creep hour traffic. Uh, I'm Jay Foreman, that's Austin Orman on the ones and twos. We are brought to you by the Mercado Certified Piedmontese Special Ingredients and Butcher Shop, uh, 84th and Havelock, and 30th and Yankee Hill. We are in an NFL segment, maybe take us. Take us on home, but we got two big segments probably with the NFL, or at least one for sure. A little housekeeping things. Uh, Austin, we're just going to jump all, all around here. Um, the Rams tight in Higby. Uh, it's official. Um, he, he's been a consistent player, really a good target for Matthew Stafford. He's in the playoffs, last game of the year. Um, victim of a low hit, a clean hit by the letter of the mm-hmm. law. Um, but it's confirmed he tore his ACL. Man. and the, and the reason why we're bringing it up because it sucks because of the targeting. You can't tackle up top, so you have to hit them low. I mean, heck, you even seeing guys um on the offensive side of the ball when they're putting their shoulders down if their head dips, they're getting you know fined forty eight thousand dollars. We're not talking about like five thousand dollars in their... We're talking fifty grand in a regular foot uh, football play. Sucks for him. Um, so I wanted to give him some shouts. I think the big news of the day or two big, big, or three big stories coming out of the NFL. Um, Carmichael is out at Saints OC amid some uh, staff changes. Obviously, the way it usually goes in the NFL is the GM or ownership comes in since, since sits uh, Dennis Allen down. So listen here, my friend, Black Monday, black the whole Black week, uh, everybody's being fired. Do you like your job? Dennis Allison. Dennis Allen says yes. How much do you like your job? I like it a lot. I think. Do you think you can win? Oh, sure, sure, I can win. Well, we've came to the decision that your offense is booty. We just gave Derek Carr a whole bunch of money. Uh, Chris Olave does have a 2,000-yard season, but it's not good enough. We uh, picked up uh, Jamal Williams, and he scored it, uh, his only touchdown. Was, thanks to your
1: back of quarterback.
2: Thanks to Jameis. And in order for you to continue to have your name outside there in that big, nice office that you have, you're going to have to make some moves. And the the significance of this move is uh, Mr. Carmichael here had been there ever since, or Pete Carmichael, I shouldn't say Mr. Pete Carmichael Jr. has been with the Saints for the last 18 years. That means he was one of the first coaches that Sean Payton um, hired. Mm-hmm. Now, why did he hire him? He had coached Drew Brees in San Diego. He had he had coached with Sean Payton for 16 years, two years with uh, Dennis Allen. He was the number the the sole play caller when Sean, Sean Payton was um suspended for 2012. Called the couple games when Sean Payton broke his leg because he got, you know, <laughs> clipped on the sideline, and multiple other times. He's been a stalwart um there from the very beginning. So that is a huge move. That is a guy that has longevity and essentially if he had a child, you know, right before he left San Diego child grew up as a new Orleans saints, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, family member. That is huge. That's a huge decision. And then it also puts Mr. Dennis Allen on red alert. You are a lame duck coach without it. Your, your offense better be better and you better get this defense together. So, that is huge news um, because it definitely was something that Dennis Allen probably didn't want to do uh, willingly, probably reluctantly, but it's part of the business. And I, and I think that uh, Pete knows that as well. Uh, it's a hard thing to do. It's
1: a lot of institutional knowledge out the door, right? That knows the Benson family, um, how they operate. For a, a guy in Dennis Allen, yeah, been around for a few years, but not nearly as long, obviously. I, I don't think Pete Carmichael forgot how to coach, Yeah, but you also don't have Drew Brees. You don't, you don't have uh, Deuce McAllister, Colston, McAllister right. Jimmy Graham. You don't have that
2: line. No. You know, you don't got Evans and Hicks at guards, and you don't mm-hmm. have that line. You don't have no. Stitchcomb at right tackle and and Brown at the left. You don't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. You don't have Jimmy Graham. No. You know, you don't have all those guys that they've had, uh, uh, you know, that were made that offense Click.
1: you got some good years out of Kamara, right? I think you've yeah. done the most with him. You've, Olave seems like he's going to be a dude. dude, yeah. but Derek Carr, I don't know if he's been as advertised necessarily, right. right? I think maybe Las Vegas made the right move to, to move on from him. Not, not pay him that much. So I hope Pete Carmichael gets picked up somewhere. Obviously oh, a good play yeah. caller, right? I, I would be curious to see what he can do with Bryce Young.
2: Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if he makes his way up to Denver.
1: Now that's also intriguing.
2: Well, he knows Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. Sean Payton knows him. Sean Payton trusts him. Um, it'd be a really good set of eyes mm-hmm. for Sean Payton, another set of eyes that he, he knows. What, it's kind of like, you know, with uh, Glenn Thomas here. He knows what Matt Rule wants. That's what you want. You don't. It just eliminates a lot of the red tape. That'd be the first place if I'm Pete Carmichael to go, especially if Denver can get it going. Right. Then you go right back to one of the highest coordinators out there partnered with a Hall of Fame potentially coaching, Sean Payton. Uh, Virginia Pirate, uh, he asks, he says, Jay, do you think forcing the head coach to make a coaching change in the NFL is pretty much the beginning of the end for the whole staff? Um, He says he does. Generally, that's the way it goes, but if it works out, not that much. Um, Probably 50-50 at best whether it works out. Um, This situation is a little bit different. Because Pete Carmichael has had so many successful years as a coordinator, as a coach, Outdates
1: everyone in the building.
2: Everybody in the building. He's the only one left of the original staff. You're essentially cleansing the New Orleans Saints of Sean Payton's original crew. Um, it's a, it's 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 huge. But yeah, it, it does put. <laughs> it, it, hey, listen every meeting becomes a lot that more important. <laughs> hey, listen, you, you better dot every I and uh, cross every T. Um, Lance says, uh, Lance, we gotta, we're going to go a little bit of text on, as a former player watching these playoff games or any good regular season matchup, what do you watch during the game? Assume you don't follow the ball like casual fans. What do you usually focus on? Uh, that's a great question, Lance. You know, uh, we had uh, Coach Saunders uh, here yesterday, and we talked about how she, you, you know, watches volleyball versus how it watches, you know football mm-hmm. you know from playing and playing at a high level you just look at it a little bit different i look at the nuances of the line of scrimmage i look at footwork i look at um, matchups i look at what play early in the game that seemed to maybe worked or didn't work will a team come back to so i'd kind of put myself back into the game and look who's playing good from an efficiency standpoint i don't follow the ball like like land said because I know who really makes the play. And here's an example of this. So if you see a regular outside zone run play and, you know, say the defensive tackle, whether they're in a three technique, four eye, five take, whatever, does a really good job of winning the line of scrimmage. Maybe he beats, you know, Quentin Nelson or we saw like... That Cam- would never
1: happen. Good try.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, he played good this year. Or like Cam Jurgens or somebody like that and then he goes in there and say he he knocks off the pulling you know center or guard or fullback, but then the linebacker comes and makes the play. He gets his name mentioned, but the defensive tackle outside of whoever made the original play is the person that made the play.
1: The hockey assist. Yeah,
2: the, the hockey assist. Those are huge plays because those tell you a lot about your team that you can't see in a stat sheet can't get from a quote from a coach or a player it lets you know do you have selfless player and are we playing team defense to win because those players and those plays will be made more often if they are accentuated or thought of as as in a high of light and in, inside the, the the building as a sack or anything like that those are game winning plays i look at those all the time All that's what i like enjoy the most
1: And i going to go back to what you said too about a uh- play that a team ran whether it worked or not early in the game i'm sure a difference between you and a casual fan watching football too is you know the block that went right or the guy that missed the block right, right? if they called the right play at the right time but it didn't work because the guy was a step slow right. or a step ahead the play was there right just better execution so even if it didn't work are those the plays you see teams go back to a lot
2: yeah if you see uh, coordinators and defense offense a uh, coordinator special team coordinator yeah because it, it twofold, right? We could talk about Nebraska football. We can go right back to when Nebraska had the ball, not this year, but last year against Wisconsin. And I always talk about direct access plays. And people are like, what is that? Well, essentially, you let the guy that was in front of you have direct access to the guy with the ball. That play is nullified. if you and, and the reason why it could be frustrating, you can even look at a couple of the plays this year up in the road against Michigan State, which I think was probably... a a very very when you look back at the season that game was huge right from michigan state was just asking you to beat them well there was a couple plays where it was blocked up perfectly except for one guy and then you kept going back to it and then it was somebody backside well everybody's all like, oh, the play caller well no it's the right play call there's a player or two that didn't execute at least to where it's a stalemate. That means nobody wins, nobody you just didn't lose. And so those are the plays that I look for. Uh, who goes back to them? And the best coordinators generally are able to put those in their in the memory bank, even plays that are year
0: Save big on brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.
2: Right, maybe they know the coordinator. Maybe they know the player that they they'll devise plays up against it. And here's another example of Sean Payton. One of my good friends that I uh, knew through basketball is a guy linebacker at Florida State named Tommy Polly. Tommy Polly was a he went to um, Baltimore Dunbar, and so you know I knew him just you know just because I always keep you know eye on it. He was he played at Florida State. He's number 29. My man and uh, his son played at UConn. Basketball, Tommy Pauly was about six five, close to six six, two ten, two fifteen. But he would he would knock your block off though. I mean he Baltimore all the way. Well, they talked about I remember, and it was on ESPN. Um, you know Chris Berman in the highlight show where they they flexed out uh, Jeremy Shockey when Sean Payton was the coordinator, because they knew the Rams were would run Cover One. Who are you you gonna match up Shockey against? Polly, good coverage. Shockey was a little bit better. And the reason why you 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 mentioned that play is because those are plays that as I went up against Sean Payton at times. Um, now they didn't, you know, whether it was Jason Witten or they had Anthony Fasano or somebody like that. Those are plays you put in your main memory bank because it might be you. And how do you do it? I talk about all the time or all the, the play. One of the plays where you know where I tried when I got a chance to hit Tom Brady I tried to give him everything I had because <clears throat> a play where Kevin Falk motioned out and we we used to we ran zone or we ran man and against the zone he was matched up as against the corner so it was kind of a throwaway play but the route that I was playing is the one I saw and Tom Brady and those guys had an adjustment on it and so the first time he got me Second time he didn't, but those are just type of things that you look for when you watch the games. And, you know, as we, you know, talk about the playoffs, those are ones that are game changing change plays. You um, got some other Texas here. We appreciate you, you guys getting in, you know, getting pretty busy, Thomas and Lincoln. Uh, if Tomlin wanted to go somewhere else, where do you think he'll go? Uh, the news is the second big news is that Mike Tomlin has informed the team, I guess, and ownership that he is going to be coaching next year. He's gonna finish out. He's, he's one year left, and he's kind of lame duck coach. So he wants to coach one more year. they'll, they'll take. It. Pittsburgh is always like continuity. They've always backed their coaches. It's funny because as long as it took Bill Coward to get over the hump to be a championship coach, people forget he had a ton of lean years. He lost a lot of games that he shouldn't have. The, Mike Tomlin has been the ultimate, you know, beacon of consistency. And toughness to win three in a row and take Buffalo, you know, all the way to the third or fourth quarter. He's coming back. Uh to but to answer your question, Thomas and Lincoln, I was thinking if Mike Tomlin got fired or they decided to part ways, the first place I would like to see him go would be for the commanders. New ownership needs extreme leadership. He's he's a Virginia guy. He would fits in well in the city. They need somebody like him. Probably would retain Eric Bieniemy. Be really good for Mike Tomlin. It'd be really good for those defensive guys like Allen and Payne not to be looking for an exit. But he's changing, uh, you know, or he's, or he's staying. He's staying in Pittsburgh. Um, Dave in Fullerton. Um, I don't know if the rugby guy would get a, a combine a combine invite. He'll he'll have his own combine down there at the you know transition camp or whatever. Cubsker he says uh, Pittsburgh. I still think he needs a dude at OC. Uh, probably so they probably think need to look at a quarterback and a veteran quarterback, especially with Mike Tomlin being in a, you know, a Justin Fields there would be great. I think, um, I'm pretty sure some other ones, I, I like they, Pickett. What though. if they
1: go get like Teddy Bridgewater?
2: Yeah. But I think Teddy Bridgewater already said he's going to retire.
1: Okay. Teddy think, Bridgewater tight. Yeah. So I like, like that.
2: that. Consistent, great leadership, um, competitive, won't lose you games, but will win you game. That's exactly what you need. Now, I don't know who's all out there, where their contract stands. Go get Kirk Cousins. Yeah, somebody. Um, I mean, there's plenty of guys out there to think that you could get, but Justin Fields in Pittsburgh would be great. They do need to get a legit number one receiver. You just have to. You can't trust these dudes that they got.
1: Even if something as little as they're blocking.
2: Yeah. Right? It, that's, you, a, that's
1: a warning sign.
2: It's a red alert defcon 1 or 2 sign that these guys you can't trust them. You just mm-hmm. can't. Now, they got better at it, but I'd be willing to say there's still those same things on tape, but they're performing better on offense as far as receiving and touchdowns and stuff like that. I think they need to get an influx of true leadership in there. Najee Harris, I think has gotten too big. We got 242 pounds. You you're like a fullback now, dude. You need to get back down to 220, mm-hmm. get lean. I like the kind of combination him and Warren. Um, tight end is good. Offensive line is a work in progress, but the receivers out there don't scare anybody. T-
1: to Najee Harris's credit, he hasn't gotten full Eddie Lacy yet. Not yet, but <laughs> you know? he's, had, he's had a good
2: offseason. <laughs> he's had some uh, Molson lights up there in Pittsburgh or whatever. They, <laughs> uh, they've been drinking up there. And Pittsburgh's actually, I don't, Austin, I'm not sure if you've ever been there. i Pittsburgh's a beautiful city now. It used hmm. to be kind of a dump, but they really built it up down there. Hmm. Good for Pittsburgh. So, yeah. I think they have American Eagle headquarters there. It's pretty cool. I've Alleg- just always
1: been anti-Pittsburgh because they were just kind of Indy's kryptonite for the longest time. Yeah.
2: yeah. Allegheny, Mount- Allegheny Mountains are pretty pretty, pretty nice. Hmm. Um, There we got CJ. Let's we'll see what he says. Um, In his last year in Las Vegas, Derek Carr had the best running back and wide receiver in the NFL plus other weapons and still stunk and uh didn't win yes i think but the way that uh he had josh mcdaniel so that is equivalent to at least four more losses
1: talk about Uh, a nullifier
2: yes he will mess up (laughs) i won't even say what he'll mess up (laughs) fill in the blank jordan love is a top blank q to be in the league oh that's a good question there uh mississippi mud dog he's easily well right now he's playing like a top six quarterback i think in general I don't want to give him too much too quick. I think he had a really great year. It's 32 teams. He's easily top 15. And he's not 15. He's more getting towards 10 than 15.
1: 11 to th- yeah. 13 yeah. range? Yeah,
2: for sure. That's just being conservative. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the Green Bay Packers have found their guy. Um, so now they can really refocus on, obviously, even though I think the receiving court has gotten better, to getting the guy there to help him grow even faster. Um,
1: is Lafleur the guy for them long-term?
2: <laughs> Could he be? You, you know, I think with Aaron Rodgers, is, Aaron Rodgers gone, I think he's actually become a better coach. Now, I know they struggle in the middle of the year. I think next year will tell you everything.
1: Well, I think struggling in the middle of the year, but then getting hot and making right. the playoffs, that shows the ability to adjust, adjust. and adapt yeah. in
2: season. Without the pressure of an all-time great there, undermining you and not, not wasting a year of a career yeah, right and not being there in the offseason mm-hmm. and doing his thing i think he's done a really good job and i was a little apprehensive on him you know when he first got there you know coming from tennessee i was like oh they're, they're, tennessee's offense is just right yeah but tennessee's ground and pound mm-hmm. but i think some of the unique um leadership skills that were that was appealing to mark murphy and all those decision makers at green bay i think you know are starting to come true and I think the offense is doing better. And I think next year, and plus, going to bat for certain coaches and certain players that tells you a lot about who he is as a coach as well. Mm-hmm. And also, he doesn't shy away from taking responsibility. And that's not the norm from especially from guys that like to call plays. So I think I think he's pretty decent. Um, I mean, I think next year will probably seal the deal for him. And but Green Bay is a kind of kind of like for the most part is kind of like Pittsburgh. They don't like musical chairs at quarterback. And um, I, the one thing I will say about green Bay, I don't think they ever really put enough money or resources into their skill positions, especially for Aaron Rodgers. Um, So I can understand where his frustration is. So those are the two big stories. And there's one more uh, we'll say this right, right quick before we go to break is, Jason Kelsey has decided to. If you watch the game, I saw the conversation he had when he knew it was over with his, I think, his offensive line coach. And you can see he was tearing up. That was it. Um, he just said he was, he told his team, I think, either in the locker room or you know when they got back that he was going to retire. Obviously, he had plenty of options, you know, outside of football. Obviously, now and and has uh, created quite the presence for himself. And and he's a Philadelphia guy. And he, he very easily could have came back. He played at a Pro Bowl level this year. There was no drop-off. 35, 36 years old, probably beat up a little bit. Uh, not the biggest center. He's probably been like a smaller version of Demani Dawson. Very quick, very strong. Really, really good ba- balance. But being 260 pounds in there, probably has worn, you know, worn him down a little bit. Plus, when you have other things outside of football that can – you know, take care of you financially and other opportunities. I think, you know, you know, you can walk away from it. And you had a hard season with a letdown expectation. You got to think they were 10 and one ended up 11 and seven. That's a hard pill to swallow. It's a hard way to go out. That's why I'm so, um, I was so surprised that he decided, and it was already decided before the game that he was going to retire this year. That would spur me to come back. But as we'll talk about in this next segment, We'll recap the games last night. We'll talk a little bit about Philly and their situation moving forward. Some coaching news, what we might have news at the end of the, you know, end of the week. Jim Harbaugh and kind of he put Michigan on notice. So forth and so on. Austin Orman, Jay Foreman, we'll be right back.
1: Watch Old School Live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. Old School with Jay on 937 The Ticket and the
2: Ticketfm.com.